Okay, y'all, if you have been here a minute, you have probably heard me say everything works out for me and everything is happening for a reason. And today's podcast is literally a shining star for those phrases because my new girlfriend, Barani Shira, is my guest today. And I was going to interview her about her marketing agency. We were going to talk about her business and we didn't talk two seconds about that. It was such a crazy, amazing conversation that got everything that you could possibly need out of the conversation. I don't even know how to intro this, but I will promise you it's probably going to be one of your absolute most favorite conversations. Barani is really not on social media. You can find her on LinkedIn. She does have an Instagram profile, but if you really want to contact her, we will put her email address in the show notes. She'll probably be coming back because it was that damn good. You guys, I would so appreciate you sending this to a friend who needs to hear it because I personally will be listening to this conversation and this episode again because I was so enthralled. I was so in the conversation that I can't even remember all of the amazing nuggets that you are about to hear. So enjoy today's episode with Barani Shira. Are you ready to decide it's your turn to live your most purposeful, profitable, passionate life? I'm Christina LeCur, former professional golfer turned confidence and success coach. I truly believe every one of us was put here for a God-given purpose, and it is our responsibility to live that fully. For well over a decade now, I've been turning my life as well as countless others around from feeling unworthy, incompetent, and without a purpose to living a life I cannot wait to wake up for even on days when shit hits the fan. And it all started with a decision. Yeah, you heard that right. I said God and shit in the same sentence. So clearly this won't be your typical podcast, but what I can assure you is that each week myself and my guests are going to enlighten you, fire you up, and having you walk away with stories and strategies to not only boost your confidence, but give you hope that at any moment in time, you have the power to decide it's your turn. Thank you for being thank you for being willing to for me just to push record and we just kind of do this and like learn a little bit about each other. And I I just knew you were about to say something so magical. So I'm like, please, can we just hit record? You know, it's interesting that you I love that you were willing to do that because to not have to have it structured because the one thing that I rail against and I have since I was a kid is this idea of being in a box. And people have always said, what are you? And I've always felt like, what do you mean? What, what am I? I'm a who, first of all. And it was usually, you know, it's something related to my, um, my ethnicity because I couldn't place where in the spectrum of people that I fit in. And so I'm half Sri Lankan and half German Jewish. And I would say, I'm, I'm just barony, you know, (laughs) I don't know where that fits in for you, but for me, it's, well, it's going to be different every single day and every moment. And I'd prefer if you can't categorize me because I don't want to be categorized. No, I love that. You know, it's so interesting that you say that a long time ago, a client from about four or five years ago, she did a discovery call with me and her daughter had, um, she was in the military and her daughter had some, um, health issues and they didn't know if they were mental health issues or just physical health issues and all the things. And she was just so and she was a first time mom and she was so scared. And I was like, well, 
why are you putting her in the box that it has to be good or bad? Like, and she'll tell you to this day that just changed everything for her because it was like, everyone was just trying to put her in this box of like, did she have this? Did she have this? Did she have this? And I said, just take her out of the fucking box. Like she's a human being, just take her out of the box. And she said from that moment on, it changed everything for her because she was trying to like fit her into this box and she was so scared about what the box was going to be, be labeled as. Yeah. Because we give this idea of meaning and that's why I didn't like when people wanted to figure out what I was, because that would mean that you would have some understanding based on some preconceived notion or a perception. And really the box is so that people feel comfortable. And oftentimes it's really what makes us feel so uncomfortable because it's a box that we don't want to get into. And even this idea of mental health issues or any health issue, whether it's good or bad, they're neither because they are literally just what is. And I know that that's an uncomfortable place to be. But the thing is, is that if it is a mental health issue or if it is, I mean, they're just, it's health, right? Like mental health and general health. I don't know what the difference is. To me, it's just, it's overall health. And so is there as such a thing as, and if it's good or bad, I mean, yes, in the sense, well, if it's bad, you could have certain outcomes, right? If you have high cholesterol, let's say, but they're good and bad, depending on what it is you want out of your life, or maybe what did you expect your life expectancy to be? They're really just good or bad because of the association we make with the subject matter itself. And that's so interesting that you say that too, because you and I were introduced through Christy Donnelly, who's one of my greatest girlfriends through YPO. And she and I are like, we were in a mastermind with this other woman named uh, Lisa Fisher, who's a good friend of mine. She's been on this podcast before. And it's so funny that you use cholesterol as example, because she will scream from the rooftops that high cholesterol is not a bad thing. So she's a carnivore. Like she's so into different health modalities and all the things. And she talks so highly about like cholesterol doesn't mean shit. It's about your blood glucose. Like I'm not super like well-versed in all the things that she is, but she'll tell you that high cholesterol isn't a bad thing. She'll be the first person to tell you. (laughs) I think it depends, right? Like my family has heart disease. And so cholesterol is an issue because they all have had major heart issues. And so it's something that's like, but it's not an issue in that I just know what I need to do. It's not something that becomes a matter of, you know, it's like, it's, and my cousin's my cardiologist. And it was really funny because I was, I, you know, I was like, what do you mean I have high cholesterol? He's like, enough. Everybody in our family has it. It's just, yeah, you're going to take medicine and like get over. I was like, yeah, but I'm so active and I eat well. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like walking out the door. And I was like, wait, what do you mean I'm just going to like have to take medicine? He's like, well, the whole family, it's genetic, has cardiac health issues. And so it's just something you live with. And if you can't, you know, so I have, I'm the same way with about blood glucose and, and, even like what time I eat and what I eat and when I eat it and how it affects my sleep. And I'm really dialed into all that stuff. And the thing is, is that again, how do you want to live your life? And, and so when I go back to the first example about your client, if mental health, let's, let's use the example of mental health. If, if having depression, having anxiety, having bipolar disorder, um, anything, 
was not supposed to be that way. Why would so many people have it? Now you could argue, is it a matter or a factor of our times? Is it something that we didn't know about before? Either way, so many people have it. So obviously it is just, maybe it's just the same as having, you have blonde hair and I have black hair. It's just something people have in different degrees. But we've made something out to be this like big thing. And it's like, oh my God, it's like trauma. Trauma is my favorite topic because- I love it too. (laughs) Nobody was supposed to have trauma. Then we wouldn't all have, or there wouldn't be again, these degrees of trauma. It's just that somewhere along the lines, you know, someone created a movie and a TV show and wrote a book about what life is supposed to look like. And we bought into this idea, but we didn't question whether or not that's actually what life is supposed to look like. So we're all striving for some ideal that isn't necessarily what it is. It's it's this, the grand picture of all of these different pieces. And just different people have different degrees and different aspects of each and every one of these pieces that makes up the human anatomy. The human anatomy, all the medical people will say that's not anatomy, but I think you know what I mean. Yeah, the human being. Have you always been this way? Where did you grow up? Like, what was your upbringing like that you, because you said, I've always, I'd never wanted to be put in the box. What was your upbringing like? Where, where, where did you grow up? You're now in Germany, but like, where did you grow up? I grew up in Staten Island, New York. Oh, and sure. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, my, so my mom is from Sri Lanka and it's funny because a lot of Hindus are not spiritual. Like, so there's Hinduism was a philosophy and then it began, began to be a religion. And so a lot of Hindus don't necessarily follow the spiritual aspect of it. But I don't know. I was like, I guess. So if you ask my parents, apparently my dad says like my grandfather was six two German and he would like tell me things. And I'd be like, I know, I know. And I was just like, like, he was like, you were like four years old looking at him. Like, I know, I know. And he'd be like, what do you know? And then I would just like walk off and just didn't want to do anything. I hated reading instructions. I still don't like instructions. Um, and I do want you somebody follow, to like the Enneagram and stuff. Do you know what like Enneagram number you are? No. Okay. No. So I know my human design. Human design. Um, what are you? Yeah. So I'm a manifester. Okay. Yeah. And I'm an emotional. So I'm an emotional manifester on top of it. So yeah. Okay. And, and those makes, things make sense. Do kind of fit in. Yeah. You know, like I can go from crying to happy to all those, like all those emotions and I really, I think this mindset has evolved for me over the last five or six years to the point where I realized it was, it was the key to my freedom. Mm. So what happened, what happened that you just like had this moment where you're just like, oh fuck, I am in control of my life. Um, well, I, I, I'll be really honest. So I'll, I'll say, you know, it's, it's a, maybe it's a trigger warning, but, um, so I was, I have to think, uh, 2014, so 2013, I was visiting my grandmother's grave and I really wished I could trade places with her. Mm. I just was like, I want out. I don't want to be here. I was married and I loved my husband, but I was unhappy. And, you know, at that time, I didn't know enough to know that there's no such thing as it's all one person's fault. I mean, it doesn't matter what happens. We all make choices. And at that time, I wasn't willing to say that, 
oh, the reason that this had happened repeatedly was because I made a choice to stay. And if I didn't like it, that I had an option to leave if I didn't like it because I did have options and I didn't choose those options. I, I was more comfortable being in victim mode and I didn't understand that. And so I was just thinking, I don't like anything that's happening. And so I had gone to Bali. Um, I was living in Bali and I was, I was not into the whole spiritual thing in Bali. I was a kickboxer and um, training. I wanted to see how much I could push my body. <laughs> see, see what it's like to train like a, a pro fighter at the age of like 42. <laughs> it was a bad idea. <laughs> oh my God. I crushed my, like all my hormones were crushed. I was, I couldn't get out of bed. I mean, I just, completely fucked my body up. And so, but I was chasing this idea of needing to feel something other than what I was feeling. And then, um, and so my dad's actually a therapist. Um, and none of what I was doing was working. And I finally, um, I had a really great therapist and then I had a, um, a coach, a life coach actually, which again, I hadn't been into that whole idea who gave me a book and it was called radical acceptance by Tara Brack. And Suddenly that made sense to me because it tapped into a part of me that I had been hiding my whole life, which was I was always deeply spiritual. Um, I talked to the plants. I talked to animals. I talked to inanimate objects. I felt things. I could feel like I hated when when kids would like rip at plants. I would feel like the plant was crying. And so it just didn't know how to be me. Because, you know, when you're a kid, you're told you're put in the box, behave like this and do this. And, and this is what normal looks like. And I stopped trying and I even tried to do this. And it's funny because a friend of mine, you know, I was like, I'm not going to do marketing for businesses anymore. You know, it's going to be my own business. And everybody was saying, you should be a coach. You should be a coach. This is like, you're so good. You help people. And so I got convinced that my niche was confidence coaching because everybody said that I gave them confidence. And I was like, this isn't working because what was happening is that people were coming to me with things that were really just above my paper. They really needed therapy for the kinds of things, a lot of like sexual abuse and trauma. And so I was constantly like, no, you need to go to someone else. And then I realized again, that's not what I wanted to do and trying to do the whole Instagram thing, you know, and like, I didn't like doing that. And then I just said, fuck it. I just have to be me. And I have to figure out what that is. And it meant totally turning off social media. And I don't think I've, I haven't posted in maybe a year and a half. I don't know on anything. Um, yeah, it's hard to do my research on you. I'll tell you that because it's under Baron and Shira. It's, it's all my names are. No, I know it is, but like, I only found you on, on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn was the only way to really like be able to find you. I didn't even see you on Instagram, which is so funny. That's so funny. Cause my, my email address is my, is my Instagram name, Barony at Barony Shira. It's yeah, it's just Barony Shira. Yeah, Barony Shira. That's what I put on. I tried to find it and I couldn't find it. But it's so like, this is just such a God thing because like- That's hilarious. Yeah, because you and I like, so for those of you who are listening, like we have never spoken before. We have never talked before. And for my audience who is listening, you probably are hearing 
you know, a very similar story. So you were 42. I was 27. I had like this fucking phenomenal life. Like, I know you don't know much about me. So like I had this phenomenal life, you know, I was playing professional golf. I was modeling. I had my now husband in my life, but like I was fucking miserable. I had a horrible eating disorder, hated my life, wanted to end my life. Like that's just where I was at. And for me, it was like that, like earth shattering, like holy fuck I am the only person who can change this and it was like that moment that everything shifted in me of this like oh my god it's it like my whole brand decided it's your turn like the only person on the planet that could change it was me and you know now I'm almost 40 I'll be 42 next year and I literally have the greatest life ever because for the last 15 years I've just been fucking deciding how to be the best version of myself and do everything that I ultimately want to do to have the greatest life ever. And I don't really give a two shits what anyone thinks because I literally have the greatest life ever. What was it that when you were 27, because a lot of people would look at you and this is something I've heard from a lot of friends of mine. Totally. I know exactly well, what you're going to say. That everybody looks at them and they're like, what do you have to be upset about? Or, you know, like your life is perfect. And, and my friend, one of my friends, my, my best friend, you know, it's really hard on him because they don't see him for who he is. And we spend a lot of time. It makes me frustrated because I don't know why people throw what their, you know, it's a projection of what they want their life to look like rather than fix their own life. It's like, well, let me just complain about, you know, or, or assume you have something which is like this weight, it sounds like. that's yeah, For sure. I mean, like I... I, I was making like $10,000 a day playing golf with executives. Like I looked very good. Like I had my now husband, I I've been with my husband for like 21 years. And it was like, I, I mean, I had the relationship. I, I mean, I obviously like financially I'm a little bit better off now, but it's not like I was fucking struggling by any degree. Like I had basically the exact same life, but it was a hundred percent me just blaming external or blaming everyone else for my unhappiness. When really at the end of the day, I was the only person in charge of that. And plus I also didn't have any type of faith and it was always the external, like when I get this, when I get that, when I hit this goal, when I weigh this, when I make this, I'll be fucking happy. And like news fucking flash, that does not happen no matter what level you hit. You know, you have had so much success in your life and it literally does not fucking matter. I have billionaire friends who outside looking in, you would think, gosh, what problem do they have? And yet I know a little bit about them and I'm like, money, success, the title, it does not make you happy unless you decide to be happy, guys, unless you decide to live life on your own terms, unless you decide to take yourself out of the box. It's it's incredible because, I, you know, and I spent the last year probably having the most success in my life in a way that I never could have imagined. And I think, again, it goes by what do people consider success and then try to put you up against is success. And so I knew the tide, I knew for me, I knew that the tide had finally turned the day that I wasn't feeling great. And I, I don't actually remember, like there was a few like big moments that led up to it. But when I really started to crave meditation, like, I mean, to the point where I would feel like I need to leave wherever I am and to go back to my altar. Because that was the only, that was the safest place that I could be, that I needed to reconnect with me. 
And that meant that I needed no other voices. I just needed to, to hear and connect to the creator within me and connect to the universe. And so it was like, it would become so loud in my head that there were times that, you know, maybe I got up in the morning and I didn't quite follow my routine and I could just start to feel like my day would be like spinning off its axis, but axis. And then the other part was learning to, I've always been okay in the dark in, in, in like, in what I guess, you know, if you were to say like in classical union terminology and that like shadow work and that was always fine for me. Like I lived totally comfortably in talking about things that were really hard to talk about. But what I learned was, and so it was really interesting because so learning how to swim was really important to my, my dad. Like you had to learn how to swim. It wasn't an option. And so I would get forced to swim in this lake with him and my grandparents that I couldn't see the bottom. And my dad was like, and so Germans are very, it's been interesting because I didn't think we were so German until I came here. And I'm like, oh my God, you are so German. Like he would just like push me into the water and be like, and people look at him like, oh my God, that's like child abuse. Child abuse. Like, she's fine. She can swim. Like she's been swimming since she's six, you know? And so I would have to swim in this lake. I couldn't see the bottom. And he'd be like, it doesn't matter if you can see the bottom, you can swim, just swim. And so I would swim as fast as I could because I hated the lake, like there were snapping turtles or God knows what, but I couldn't see it. And so his thing was, you should be in the ocean, wherever you are, as long as you know that you can swim, you're safe. And so like, he would be like, you have to, like, if you're in a rip current, like, just understand it's going to eventually, it lets you out. Yes, you might have to swim back longer, but you can swim. And so if you calm your breathing and you don't fight it. And so all of these things. And one day I was like, well, wait a second. I just have to swim. Yeah. I don't have to fight it. And then I learned that you can go underneath the noise. And so all of this stuff is happening in this chaos and there's this pain maybe happening on the surface. And then you can like dive down to this place that's underneath the surface and it's calm. And that was the same thing. Like I would feel scared when I was in a wave. Oh, when is it going to release me and all of that? But, and yeah, and those are real things that can happen, but there is also, you can go far enough down where there's stillness. And so I kept learning to find this stillness and being able to actually like in that moment, dive down and find moments of relief. And then, you know, like for instance, my, my aunt just died. And she was really sick and it was really chaotic. And I was managing her healthcare and, you know, the doctors were messing shit up and aides were doing stupid shit. And, and I was just like, oh my God, I'm going to lose it. And I would just have to keep going underneath the surface, breathe. And then also remember I'm resisting what's uncomfortable. That's what's really happening. I'm uncomfortable. I don't like what's happening. I don't like the fact that I don't have control. I don't like that I'm not in New York and none of these things are things that I can fix. And so I can either get on with it and get on board with what is, or I can keep resisting what's making me uncomfortable and it's it just accept it and then deal with the fact that I'm uncomfortable. I'm upset. And so by the time it came to her dying, I was able to make it really just all about her. And spend the time, like I read to her, I played um, Peter, Paul and Mary. I was actually reading like the Gayatri. I was reading, sorry, the, the Bhagavad Gita to her. 
and poems. And I started to really find peace in the fact that life is happening the way it's supposed to happen. It's just not the way that we always want it to happen. And so it was, it was moments like that, that started about like six years ago. And so going back into that, what I was saying at the beginning of it is, is understanding that in this darkness, once you realize you go through it and if you can remember it and talk about it, it means you haven't died, which means you survived it. And so you're going to survive it the next time and the next time and the next time. And then if you don't, well, you're not going to know about it anyway, because you won't be here to talk about it. And so if you can remember that that level of pain or whatever feels like it's the worst thing you've ever been through, it might be the next level of worseness, but you will survive it. You're, you just have to accept that it's uncomfortable. It's just uncomfortable. So you're in Bali and you are trying to, is this like after you had decided to leave your marriage or is this like during the time you tried to leave your marriage? No, this was in like the, the six years, like after. Okay. After. So when you were in Bali and you were like, were you using the training as like almost like a deflection from the real work. Yeah. I mean, I was self-annihilating. It was, yeah. you know, and it took my coach really actually saying at some point, realizing, you know, he said to me, I'll, I'll never forget. And it's funny, I don't actually kickbox anymore, but, um, and I wasn't a fighter, but he said to me, you know, there's three kinds of people. There's the people who get in the ring and are like, fuck this shit. I'm out. I'm not like being hit. <laughs> why, why would I ever want to do that? <laughs> Then there's the type of person who's like, oh, you're hitting me. I'm going to hit you. Let's have some fun. And then there's this other person who gets hit and they don't move. And that was me. Mm. And I didn't move. The harder I got hit, it was odd. And it wasn't like I didn't have the skill set. I just didn't move. And I would almost stand there for a round and just kind of like, you know, I'd have to be yelled at to actually like return a punch or a kick and and to defend myself. And I think in some way, it just felt so much better than the amount that I had been beating myself up. Mm-hmm. It was like, and then I could go home and be so exhausted and I could have a reason not to do the work. Because I was so focused on this thing that other people could look at and be like, wow, that's so incredible. And then it wasn't until I completely withdrew from things that other people could see. I didn't talk about, you know, and I still don't really, you know, talk about my spirituality or, you know, how I, what kind of spiritual life I live. And if people are like, you're, you're talking to your breakfast, that's, that's interesting, you know, like. I get excited. <laughs> like I see my blueberries in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> probably like one fell on the floor. And and it's people can see me in my natural environment in that way. But I just learned to that for me the happiness is keeping it completely within myself and not needing the validation. And I, I won't say that that's like I've reached a level of perfection in that, but even just in like whatever I do is, is to do it. And the end result, it doesn't matter to me. Cause as long as I've made the, the intention 
the best, you know, put in the best intention into it and put myself into it, then the end result has nothing to do with me because I did my part. Yeah. It's interesting that you just said that there, I, there's three parts in my business. There's my part. And so for me, it's God, but there's my job, there's God's job. And then there's the client's job mm-hmm. And I, where I get really stressed out. And when I like when my business feels overwhelming or my day feels overwhelming, I'm trying to control the client's job or God's job. I only have one job. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like when I put my head on the pillow, do I know that I've done my job? And I think that that's a really kind of a weird thing for some people, because there's always more you can do. There's like, you know, like the hustle culture. I mean, you've been in business for forever. So, you know, like that there's always more, can you do more? Can you do more? But like at the end of the day, like I really just want to know that like, I have my core values in life and like core values in my business. And like, if I just really make sure that like, I am just doing those and I'm doing them to the best of my intention for that day. Like some days, you know, you can kick ass and take names and other days, like you just did the best. And like, can I put my head down and be like, did I do my job? And if I can, like, I feel really good about myself. But what if on one day your job was to go to the spa and actually like... Oh, totally. I'm totally good with that. Oh, yeah. That's like, that's the thing. Like, so I have an energy teacher. Oh, and yes. <laughs> like, he's like, you need to go take a salt bath. Like, or today. And I've had multiple, like, I've had different um, people like Ayurvedic um, therapists have all said to me, like, my doshas get really out of whack. And they're like, stop reading. I mean, people who don't know me and I'm like reading, I don't, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Meanwhile, I'm like, like I went to visit my cousin in England with like six books and I come downstairs to breakfast and he's like, no more reading for a week. And then even my energy teacher will be like, you have to learn when your body is saying they need rest. And actually only in this, this is the first time, like just since my aunt died, I realized I needed silence. Like I needed to not actually be doing any of the, any of the like morning spiritual, like reading stuff that I do. And I needed to figure out how to find silence again. And that that's still you grant yourself. Cause I know that people are listening to this. It's almost like, how do you grant yourself permission? I have a client right now. She, um, she's extremely high achieving and we started working together because she just knew that like, you know that. And I even did a video on it this morning, like that deep knowing, like for me, I I call it like God's voice, like 90% of people fucking know, like, you know what you need to do. You know, like, do not tell me this bullshit about, I don't know who did that bullshit. You know, if you give yourself the silence, you fucking know, like we all know what we have to do, but like, how did you like grant yourself the permission to listen to that knowing? Oh, it's interesting because so I I really do struggle to let my body relax. Um, And so in the last year, I've been doing provenance research on my family's um, Nazi looted art. And people have PhDs that do this work like this is serious work. And it was I had found some incredible things that had had not been found and enough to get um, a big university to agree to write a grant application with me. And it was so amazing. I had, I had found this dissertation that was like the key to the puzzle. 
And because I don't read German on top of it, I didn't realize that there were three parts to the dissertation. And so the first part was like 460 pages of written text about art. Now, one might have assumed that if it was about art, there would probably be something that had pictures of art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Picture <laughs> <was> that far. <laughs> so I just was like, oh, it's like, you know. And so there was a whole manual. There was a whole, there were two other pieces that went with it that had pictures. And one section was actually pages of the artwork that had been made for my family's home. And so when the researcher actually posts now, they've they've already accepted the project and they're going to do it. And she shares with me the other two pieces. I have this wild sense of embarrassment that, oh my God. Oh, right. There would have been pictures of the art that she was in 460 something pages detailing. (laughs) Somebody would have been like, so can we see what that was? And I felt like I was a failure. And then I had to ask myself, so let's just unwrap that for a second. You feel like you're a failure because you didn't read German properly because you don't read German. Um, And you're not a PhD in art provenance. I know nothing about art. It's never been something I've been like, overly interested in in understanding. And so why was I considering myself a failure when the thing that had actually happened was a major university and one of the top provenance researchers in the world had taken on my project. Yeah, but yet my brain exactly. was like, you're a failure. And that's when I finally that penny dropped that was if you don't learn to give yourself a break, you won't actually continue to hear the messages that the universe is telling you because you're so busy thinking you're in charge and you're in control and, you know, and that like you have to keep going and keep going. And so I I go back to the question of what does success look like and what does it mean to, you know, to achieve And achieving for me, literally, in this moment is that I have permissioned myself to do whatever it is. Like the last couple of days, it's been not getting up at the time that I usually get up to meditate. I do feel a difference. You know, I like, like, there's this like, it sounds crazy, but it's like between 4.30 and 5.15 in the morning. That is like the peak time for me. And realizing that I am going to continue to get sick if I don't honor that my body is asking for rest. And that's to your point about God is always talking to us, the universe, how, whatever you want to call it, you know, and I can, I can give you a gazillion examples of, I've heard it so loud in my ear that said, do this, don't do this down to buying a ticket once to go to Florida. And it was like, don't book the Airbnb. You're not going to Florida. And I was like, that's ridiculous. I'm going. And then of course, like two days later, it was like, you're not going, you're not going to get your money back. So, and I was like, Oh, I have this saying that like a lot, of, I, a lot of my clients adopt and that I've been using for so many years. And that's just that everything works out for me. Everything works out for me. Like everything works out for me. And I, I, you know, people ask, well, how is that possible? I'm like, you can look at it as I have just brainwashed myself to believe that. Like, that's how I think I've actually done it because it's just, 
I can look at every situation like you and I connecting today. Like, how did this actually happen? Like, how did all of our like dots connect in order to have this like beautiful, like beautiful conversation that's going to impact so many people. And like, you know, it's just impacting you and I like right now, like, like everything works out for me. And when you have that, like that lens that I've just trained myself to believe that exact thing, I'm like, well, when you told me like the Airbnb thing, it's like, duh, of course, that same shit happens to me. Like I'll miss a flight and I'll be like, my husband and I will literally, cause he's very much on the same wavelength. I'm, I'm super lucky, but we'll be like, well, there's gotta be a reason. Like we're going to meet some amazing people. Right? We love. We're going to, we literally one time, and this is kind of like, you can look at this as like super bougie or whatever, but we literally missed a flight one time and we sat next to this couple on our way to Mexico. Like it was no big deal. So we had an extra couple cocktails in the lounge. We sat next to this couple and I loved his watch. And so I just said to him at the, and you know, this is during the pandemic, we were going to Mexico and watch is really hard to get. And I was like, Oh my God, I love your watch. And the guy's like, Oh, you should just talk to my rep guy. My husband has wanted this exact watch for like four years. No one could find it. We missed our flight, sat on the, sat next to them on the plane. I'm getting my luggage. And I was like, Oh, I like your watch. Within two weeks, my husband had the watch that he couldn't find for three months. Like every or three years, everything works out for me. Yeah. I mean, I don't think that's bougie. I think, I think if you can explain to people, what does that actually mean? Because when people hear everything works out for me, I don't think they necessarily understand that it's not that everything works out because, oh, I'm so lucky. It's a mindset of not fighting what is happening and that understanding it's maybe it's just happening for a reason. Yeah. And you can there's a mindset of everything works out. So like, what does that mean? Like when you say everything works out for me, can you describe, because that's what I find that people, like when people, like even my parents right now, they're like, how did that happen? And I'm like, really? You want me to walk you through it again? I'll go through this. Okay. So when I woke up, I decided that I was going to make a strober sign. Like I made this, this ceremony of these stones and it takes most times, it takes people like four or five years. And I literally was walking and I was like, I want to do those for my family. And less than seven days later, I think it was like on the sixth day, my dad got an email from a group in this area of Berlin, Germany, that was putting down nine stones for my family. Oh my God. And he was like, are you interested in this? This sounds like the thing you wanted to do. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me now? I was like, I literally, what I usually say to my dad is like, are you smoking crack? Like literally put the crack pipe down. And he's like, I gave that up. (laughs) This is what you wanted, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's it's like that focus of, like, do you know who Abraham Hicks is? Yeah. Okay, of course. Like it's the same kind of like situation. It's the same belief. Like whether you believe it's an Abraham, whether you believe in God, whether you believe in universe, whatever it is, it's just like that focused energy. Like, you know, we've all heard for forever that like what you focus on is what you find. But like even like that airline trip, if we would have made our flight, I could have found a reason why everything worked out for me. And I would have found another reason why everything worked out for me. When we miss the flight, I will find the reason why every and Now I am not perfect at this. Like I still, I'm very open and vulnerable. Like I, it's a practice. Like there's some days that like, I want to fight fucking everything. And I'm like, 
I fucking miss my flight and it's the worst day ever and nothing works out for me. And why isn't this working? But like 90% of the time I can do it just because it's a muscle that I've trained and I just focus in on that. It's all working out. Did you do that when you played golf? So, you know, a lot of professional athletes. I didn't know any of this shit. I would have been so much better at golf when I, like, I literally didn't know anything up until like, like, like when you would go into a tournament you didn't do like no, no like I didn't like, know I had no clue like I literally had no spirituality I had no clue that I was in control of my life I had no clue that like I was the only one who could change it I had zero clue about any of this until I was like 27 and I was like things are going to go extremely bad if you don't fucking fix one thing and I think it was almost like that declaration that like this is the, you know, the fork in the road type of thing. And then after that, things started happening. Like I met one of my like mentors. I started investing in myself. I've started like reading books. I started like just everything started to happen just because I decided it. And obviously like I didn't have my whole brand when I decided it, but like that was the common theme that it just, you know, came to be now. But yeah. You just said something really important. You said when you invested in yourself. 100%. And that that is how I view taking, you know, doing something that, that I need and defining what does it look like to be successful or high achieving. And that's the investment in myself. And only I can define what that investment in myself is. Like it, there was a, a point where I don't even remember I paid, I mean, <laughs> that, I paid I hundreds, of thousands of dollars. hundreds of thousands. <laughs> my best friends being like, if you hire one more person, we actually won't speak to you. We we don't want to see you hire another person to tell you what you already know. I mean, they were there's there's only one time that these two people have become so physically angry with me that I was like actually scared. I I hadn't been yelled at like that since my parents. Like they were in different, totally different, like didn't happen at the same time, but they both loved me so much and could see, and they were so angry that I couldn't see what I had in me. And it just drove them insane. So when you say, because 27 is, is really honestly, like that is an you know, amazing. I've had a couple of young clients, like 18. I have an 18 year old client and ni- oh, she's 19 now. Her parents pay me. She, but she reached out to me in the beginning and I just look at her and I'm like, it makes me like almost cry right now. Cause I'm like, you are so fucking lucky. You're getting this at your age. Now I've had people like in their sixties that just like, Oh my God, have these moments too. But like, yeah, I think 27, like, I'll be honest, my, like the people who like find me at that, like 27 to 35 range, that's the typical. And then it's also the range after that is like the 50 to 60 year old. My men are a little bit younger, but my women are that 50 to 60 because it's after their kids leave. And they're like, Oh fuck, is this it? But how did you at 27? Cause I feel that a lot of people, like when I see like, and maybe that's been since I've been here. And then also I lived in Indonesia for so long and it's, it's different. Cause they are the, the, the emphasis is on women getting married and like, they're really like, they had to fight really hard to be, have their independence. What did you see? Cause at 27, I was still trying to be what everybody said. Like, you have to go do this. Like I wanted to be a master perfumer and my oh, parents what? were like, uh, to make perfume, like be a master, like learn how to make perfume. But it was a, 
an unpaid uh, apprenticeship for two years in France. And they were like, what? You can't do that. That's ridiculous. You just went to university. So at 27, I was still trying to like be in a company that has a name that everybody will know. And then you work like 12 hours a day. And I was supposed to, I was trying to be like, like live in New York. And then I'm supposed to get an apartment and all the things that I actually just didn't give a shit about. Yeah. And buying a fancy purse and fancy shoes and like, when in reality, none of that was, was essential to me. So what was it that for you was, what did a, an investment in, in yourself mean to you at that time? And has it changed? And then what, what did you think about the investment in terms of like, where does that take you? And is that something that you, you consistently see? Like I continuously invest in myself. That's a lot of questions. Sorry. No, that's a really, those are all really good questions. I love it. Um, the first time I just knew I had to do something different is because I checked a lot of the boxes. Like I was sick. Like I was really physically and mentally sick. Like I couldn't, like there was no other thing that I could achieve that was going to make me happy because I had achieved all the things. Like I was an all American, like I won in college. Like I thought being on the LPGA and making a million dollars and having all these contracts was going to make me happy because that's what everyone told me. Right. Like they're like, you look this way, you get your LPGA card, you will, you make millions of dollars and you'll be happy. But I was already making like good money and I was already playing golf, but like it was never fulfilling because it was never enough. It was never enough. I was never skinny enough. I was never wealthy enough. I was never winning enough. I was just not enough until I figured out that like newsflash, I had to be enough for myself. And I didn't even know what that could possibly look like. But one of my mentors, he's been on this podcast, his name is Justin. And he really like started ingraining in me that like, I am strong. I am successful. And he was my golf coach at the time, but he was a person of faith as well. And his outlook on life was he literally just thought he had the greatest life ever because he was so deeply rooted in his faith and what he did. And still to this day, he is so unbelievably successful. And yet you wouldn't know outside because his deep rootedness in his happiness is you know, doing what he loves and making an impact in this world. And so that was like the first taste of it. And then for me, my first coach really wasn't that I started going to like seminars and stuff like that. Like, you know, like, like a Tony Robbins or Lewis house, whatever. And, but my first coach was a really bad, like quote unquote, bad investment. The guy didn't do his job. Like it was like $15,000 for 90 days. And that was money that like, I probably shouldn't have spent at that time. But I also knew that like, that was exactly the thing that I needed. And I definitely don't regret that. And now I spend way more than that because anything that can make me a better version of me and anything that can make me happy, like I can, I, I have what I need. And like, I could go buy all of the bougie bags if I wanted to. And I'm not telling you, I don't have one or two, but like also too, I know what, like, I know for a fact what makes me happy. And I think that that's one of the reasons why people are really attracted to me because I am confident in me, like to my deep rooted core, I know who I am. I know what I believe and I don't waver on that. And I think that that's ultimately what people want. Like they like that 
Like I don't have children. I have never wanted children. And I will wave the flag of it's okay that I do not want children. It's okay that I cuss and like I say fuck and God in the same sentence. I live in the South of America. I am like evil compared to, to some people, but I also am very strong in who I am and what I believe. And I, I think that that's ultimately what a person wants, right? Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you, that deep rooted confidence in yourself is the, is to me like the ultimate investment in the the things that you, you pay or however you want to do it, read, whatever it is, is the vehicle that whatever vehicle works for each person. And, and, you know, like, and when you talk about bougie bags, I mean, it's sort of, I am not like as spiritual as, as I am. And my, it's my energy teacher always, we, we talk about this a lot because I realized that I like to be in nice environments. So I recently stayed in a hotel in Munich and the area, like, I couldn't tell you what it was, but as soon as I was there, I didn't like it. I didn't like the street. I didn't like anything about it. And from the moment I checked in, people feel my energy very strongly. And it's, it's not a great thing all the time because if it's, if it's not good energy, people are like immediately, like, it's like, are women intimidated by you? <laughs> um, it, they used to be, but I don't think so much anymore. It's more of like a bad energy in that they can feel that I am not satisfied with something. And so I could put on a happy face and I could be talking nicely, but people will still not respond well. And I ha- I just, the way that my energy works is that people will feel it. And so I have to be really careful and I have to keep it clean when I interact with people because they can feel my dissatisfaction. And for whatever reason, my dissatisfaction sits so heavily with people that it's, it is a confrontation and I don't like confrontation. And so then it's like, it, it actually raises almost like a feeling of like a very old school ingrained feeling of that fight or flight. And so the thing was, it was just not the right place for me to stay. I shouldn't have booked it. And I was, I had convinced myself that I was doing something that was financially responsible instead of because now with the Christmas season and then there were, there was this big snowstorm and then there was a rail strike coming. And so all the hotel prices were going up. And I was like, no, you have to have learned your lesson from when you blew 400 something thousand on trying to buy happiness that you don't do that anymore. But I had misinterpreted the lesson that I okay. now understand. I wasn't trying to buy my happiness. I had just, my aunt had just died. I was actually just seeking a place to really feel comfortable and to feel like I could sleep and reset my schedule back to, because I'd been you know, on this US schedule and this had been for two months straight. And so I stayed in this hotel. I was miserable. Mm-hmm. Like the food was not good in the buffet. So all the things that are really important to me, I really value my sleep and I really value the food that I put into my body. So why would I have done something to, you know, to, to limit that or to make it, you know, that now I wasn't going to have that. And so if I understand, because then I kept in my head, I was like, yeah, but what would Buddha do? And then like, but I should be able to like have gratitude for anything. And, and maybe yes, but I'm also not Buddha. And until I have a guru who can help me understand how to walk that path, I needed to do what was right for my energy. And so that's somewhere, that's like something I would say that it wasn't successful. And 
really the place I wanted to stay was the Sovitel. Because oh, I love those hotels. I've stayed there. there in was, the it's beautiful. And there was, and the whole reason I wanted to stay there was it had a spa that had the two things that I find to be really helpful. In On recess. a cold plunge? I wanted a steam room because a sauna fucks my heart rate. And so I didn't honor that. Yeah. And that's where I say like the investment in myself was to have spent that money and understood that that was the investment in myself. Now, I think a lot of people can hear this and be like, that's a very privileged way of looking at it. And it is, but I, I go back to, again, if I didn't have money, if I didn't have the privilege that I have of in this moment, whatever it is, there are still ways to continuously invest in yourself. And I go back and forth on this about choice again, you know, because people are like, well, what some people who live in Gaza or people who are in Israel right now or people like you can in any moment, like even when my own family says to me, you know, Bethany, I didn't have a choice. No, you did have a choice. And the choice was you piss your family off and you leave and maybe you will be thrown out of the family. But that is a choice. And the problem is, is that we don't always like our choices because we want that we get to leave and feel good or we do something and we feel good. And sometimes I, it's something my dad said is you don't always get to choose between good and bad, but you choose between bad and worse. Mm -hmm. Everything everything is a choice. And like, I a hundred percent agree with you. Every, every single thing is a choice. And I, I mean, some people like one of my family members always said, well, you're strong enough to make that choice. And I was like, do you know what? I made some really fucking hard choices in my life in order to have the flexibility to have some choices now. And going back to like, you know, the Gaza and the Israel, all of those things. I also understand what my little bubble is. Like, I can't fucking fix that. No matter what I do, that's not in my realm to fix right now. You know, there's a lot of things that go on in the world. And I was telling a client this the other day, because she's been having a lot of success. And she said, I almost feel bad. And I said, don't you dare feel bad. Don't you dare feel bad because what she's doing is a blessing to people in her bubble. What I do is a blessing to people in my bubble. And if I am not my best version, if I am not doing the things that make me in the best version I can, I can't bless the people in my bubble. And I think that that was exactly, if staying in the Sofitel makes you the best version of you so you can help the people that you can actually help, fucking do it. My husband flies private to you know, certain things. So he can be the best for his employees driving six hours one way and six hours back and all of the things like there's, I mean, we can go down the list of all of I mean, that's why I want an airplane. People have, they're like, they're like, so let me get this straight because my, the, so eventually what I, I realized in that I don't care and I don't want to, so I have a marketing business and it's called, you know, dot world. And the idea is, is mindful marketing. And I'm very focused on if I am going to be doing marketing, that that's the way I want to do it. But the, the real thing that I came to realize is that I'm, so I'm, I started working on a documentary that started with my own life, but it's actually now, it came about in doing this research and it's called, Hello, My Name is Human. And the idea 
that I, I came to understand was, so in Hinduism, you, you say that they, the creator in me, when we bow is the creator in me sees the creator in you. And that's, that's why you put your fingers here and you bow. And that would be religious. So it was non-religious, it's non-political, non-exclusionary, and it stops you, this whole box thing that before you have gender and before you have race and before you have religion, we have stopped seeing each other as humans and we've stopped seeing ourselves as humans. And so if, if this one habit of the human in me can see the human in you and how can we bring that into our daily life could change the outcome of the way things are happening in the world, I have no idea. That's above my pay grade. But I do know that nobody can get hurt by it. And so if that's my little piece that, that I get to work on, and to go to your point, like if I want to be creative, if I want to be able to do the things that I want to do, then I need to continuously invest in myself in whatever way that looks like, because only I will know what that is. And one of the things I say all the time is I want an airplane. And people are like, well, how is that helping humanity? I'm like, there's a lot of different ways it can help humanity. I don't actually have to tell you about why it helps humanity because I no longer feel the need to justify anybody else's questions because it doesn't matter why someone else. And that was the other piece of the puzzle was realizing that you don't have to answer to anyone because to your point about your client, if you don't have gratitude, and this was something that my that I'm even recently experiencing in just the last two days is that I felt guilty because when my aunt died, she left me, you know, my whole family, a really sizable um, inheritance. And I, besides the fact of how I took care of her just in the last year, it shouldn't matter because God decided to provide or the universe decided to provide in the way that the universe saw fit. And who am I to say to the universe, I'm not worthy? Because the more I I say that, it's like, so who's in control? And that's to your point, there's three people. There's you, there's your client, and then really it's God. And at the end of the day, I have to learn to have gratitude for the missed flight, for the... and every single one of those things, but have it in equal proportion and understand that every single one of those things is a gift and they're, they're given to you. And, you know, based on a whole confluence of factors and all of those permutations are existing. It's exactly what you said about, I simply believe I can, or that it, it's coming to me because those opportunities are there. If you don't let God or the universe or anyone know that that's what you want, how is it ever going to show up? So you can put in all the effort, but if you put in all the effort and it's not really what you want, it's like, it's why I used to struggle so much. I would get certain managers loved me and certain managers hated me. It's because the people who really got me yeah, they were on board with like me. But the thing was, I wasn't in a place that I was doing what I wanted to be doing. Now, as I'm doing what I want to be doing, I haven't had any, there has been not one thing that hasn't gone off amazingly because I'm being true to myself and asking 
with full honesty, what I really want and believe in. I back it up every single day. And I can see when I don't, I can feel the energetic disconnect. And so I think, you know, and for some people, it is material things. There's nothing wrong with that. Fuck no. Do all the things. It can be solely material. Every single person operates at a different energy level. None is good and none is bad. They are literally just different energetic levels. And whatever is going to happen, it's not my pay grade. And so like, I say I have a very controversial way of, of looking at some things. And I'm like, I don't need to punish anyone. God doesn't need my help. Like, I, I don't believe in retribution. I don't, I just need to worry about continuously being the best version. The world can't change for you. You change for the world. And that's it. And the rest, I'm like, when I, there's been a lot of bad things that have happened in my life. I'm like, that's going to suck for you. That karma, I am, I, I actually feel bad for some people because I'm like, I don't want that karma. I don't want it. Today was the best. Thank you for just doing this. I mean, we could talk for another three hours, but I just feel like that's like the perfect bow on this conversation that had absolutely no reason where it was supposed to go, but it went exactly where it needed to go. Um, If anyone wants to connect with you and learn more about you and um, work with you and all of the fun things, where does everyone find you even though you're not really online? I am online. You know, it's funny. Um, I'm really glad that you said that actually too, because. Well, I'm so glad that you said to me that like my, my link for my YouTube went to like some girl on TikTok. Oh my God. I was like, I did not use TikTok. My YouTube guy does the TikTok thing. I never even do the TikTok. I only do Instagram. I have my website and like, that's pretty much the only thing I do. I just, I'm so grateful that like, I am so busy with clients. That, that was that, my marketing hat. <laughs> I was like, oh my I God. I know. I right think that's where we really needed to take this net. Maybe we do this again in a couple of months and we talk about the actual marketing side of things because God only knows I need, I'm blessed. I, I'm, I'm very grateful that, you know, one of my prayers every single day is that people find me out of nowhere and I am the exact right person for them because that's just what I believe. So I obviously falter on the on the true strategy of marketing sometimes. <laughs> you know what? I actually, and I believe, because I, you know, I started to listen to your stuff and I was like, no. So I don't like researching people and I don't like, like I'll do like a tiny bit. And the yeah. thing is that I don't want to learn about somebody through somebody else's words, but definitely like, I just won't, I want to feel their energy because on that day, you may want it to be X, Y, and Z, like not in that box. and so. I do think, and this goes to people, like if you have people who are like, oh my God, I have to do the Instagram and I have to do the this and I have to do the that. The truth is, if you don't want to do it, don't do it because I've you will have clients, they will come to you and they will find you. Amen. And they will be given because I will tell you that everything I have accomplished in this past year has absolutely nothing to do with Instagram. It isn't classical. It isn't maybe things that are um, in the way that, other people would categorize success because it's not quantifiable ex- by some external metric, but it is 
by definition for me, success. And so I think that your clients are going to find you because it's not going to matter what your TikTok said, because they're going to know who you are. Yeah. And, and I do believe it's like, you know, the three pillars, the trademark pillars of my business are decision, faith, and action. And I truly do believe with like that true deep down decision and having the action, like, I don't believe we can all just like fucking chill out on our couch. Cause like two years ago on, in the social media world, it was like, just believe it and it'll happen. I'm like, bitch, you cannot sit on the couch and expect the no. man to come through your door. Like decision, faith, and action. But when you have all three, that is when the the beautiful things yeah. happen. Um, so, so um, where do we find you? So I am on Instagram. I mean, I have to like check. Is it, is it, uh, I, so it is, I totally it's probably like spelled, Yeah, I, I probably um, like spelt it wrong. So it's B-A-R-A-N-I. Yeah, S H I R A. I'm like, I have to actually have to like search for Instagram on my phone. I don't even know where it is. That's on my so phone. good, you guys. And she's a marketing expert. I mean, this is so helpful for people to hear. Yes, it is Berenice Shira. See, look. there it is. Okay, I will follow you right now. There Berenice it is. Shira. Yeah, and actually, my last post was in um, July 14th, 2022. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. Well, do you check your DMs ever or how do people reach you? Yes. Yeah, so I'm um, actually, I think the best way to reach me is um, either through my website at um, bemindful.world uh, or bemindfulagency.world, or you can just send me an email, barony at baronyshira.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. This was like Thank you. such a treat. So good. It was amazing. I really appreciate it. I hope you have a fabulous day. Oh, thank you. You too. Thank you all so much for joining me on today's episode of the Decide It's Your Turn podcast. If today's episode resonated with you at all, please share it with a friend. Also, head on over to iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. What is it that you want us to talk about that will help you realize that at any moment and any day, you too can decide it's your turn. I'm Christina Laguerre. I'll see you next time.